Welcome back to Kafaru Cast, everyone. I'm uh, riding solo on the mic without my partner in crime, Frank the Tank, because uh, he's adulting and doing some work. But I have um, a guy that's very, very special to me. He's helped me uh, get to where I am as far as with the, the recurve bow, as well as helped me grow up a little bit, which is important. And uh, he's been on the podcast before, Tom Klum from Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. Tom, what's going on? Oh, not much, buddy. Just coming in to see what you want to talk about today. Probably just talk shit, really, but uh, <laughs> you've been pretty busy lately. You've um, been traveling around quite a bit, haven't you? Yeah, I, I took a little road trip and scouted out some spots to do shooting clinics up in western Wisconsin and found a shop in uh, Thunder Bay, Ontario, through a, a guy I met to do a clinic uh, up in Northwoods area. So made it a vacation, too. Took my grandkids. Uh, me and my wife took the two oldest grandkids and did the grandpa thing. It was, it was very cool. No, that's good. And then um, well, you were down with the push guys in Texas for a while, and then you went yep. Osceola turkey hunting. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, what you did, oh, and then you went out to Reinhardt, didn't you, and picked up Reinhardt targets? Yep. Yeah, you've been all over Hell's Half Acre. Putting some miles on my new truck. Yeah. What do you got? You got a new, you got an F-250? I did. Oh, yeah. good Lord. Yeah, that's a, it's a diesel, though. Isn't it's a cruiser, it? yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that truck, honestly. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. So are you doing these shooting clinics with Joel? Whenever I can, I, in Florida I didn't, and uh, we, you know that Texas thing is what we call an immersion clinic. We've got guys for three days, and so he'll go through his whole thing and get get these guys to get control over the string again. And then the second day is focused on now cleaning up their mechanics and shooting the bow more properly. And third day is just refining what we've already learned. But in the meantime, we're hunting hogs in the morning and the evening, so uh, a lot of these guys are trying to put to use what they've learned immediately. So we call it an immersion clinic. Really cool thing. We we uh, we did two groups of 10 guys and <laughs> had a blast. Met a bunch of good dudes. Uh, made some big changes in, in some guys for, for their shooting. And, and like I said, then we get to hunt hogs. I mean, I got paid to do exactly what I love to do, which is teach archery and hunt. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> I beat it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's good. It because uh, um, Joel from um, kind of what I understand, Joel handles the more, I guess the uh, the brain side of it, and then you mm -hmm. handle more of the mechanic side. Yeah, uh, is that yeah. correct? Yeah, and the main issue for most guys, <clears throat> as you know, is target panic, and so oh, I'm sorry I said that word there. I know. It's like, yeah, Voldemort. You kind of shrugged your shoulders. I mean, you didn't want to hear that. but <laughs> <laughs> I got I got yippy off the string for the first time the other day, what I would consider like a, a target panic shot or what I What's about time? considered. Um, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't because of, um, I mean, honestly, there's so much, which we discussed before, so much stuff going on in my life personally, not with uh, Amy or anything, but, but business and everything else that... Paul was with me, and I did beat David and Paul that day. But it was an epically shit show. I, I mean, it was if you you would have slapped us all. It was we were all. I don't know what was in the air that day. Like we all shot probably half of the score we normally well, shoot. Those guys are good shooters. So if they'd have had a decent day, they could have whipped your butt. I know that's what but, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. If but, they just shot average for them. Yeah, but we all shot piss poor. But for me, what was funny, and I wanted to bring this up, is. It wasn't for me a 
um, what what most people get target panic from is you know their fear of missing or even you could say maybe the fear of hitting. Um, yeah, lack of confidence is usually the first thing that creeps in and starts causing it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And for me, what it was is I had so many different things going on in my brain. I was having trouble focusing on my shot. Right. I was focusing on work and 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 so as you're as you're shooting, if you're not focusing or this is in my case, I'm if I'm not focusing on that shot. And my shots kind of, let's say, deteriorating. Can I can, let me guess here? Let me t- tell me if I'm right. You went automatic for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. Just start shooting. Yep. And in 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 the, I think what would have happened if I didn't have the clicker automatic would have been fine. I would have probably meaning I wouldn't even have noticed like a problem. But since that clicker is kind of your, what I consider your your god marker. That's your. That is. It, when I hit that clicker, that is kind of my – it's my draw check. It's also my psycho trigger. I don't fire it necessarily like a psycho trigger, but meaning if I just kept flinging arrows away, yeah, it wouldn't have been right. But with that clicker, what I you know was noticing is I kind of had a spaz attack on one of the shots with the clicker where you could tell that my mind wasn't in the shot, um, my body, and I hit that clicker and almost just gave up and was like hell with it. And I'm going to say at that time, I stopped shooting. I was like, do you guys mind if we head back to the truck? And uh, Paul and Dave were like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, I think we're all just ingraining bad crap in our minds. And I said, yeah, I think I'm going to wrap it up for a few hours, get my mind right and come back. And, uh, you know, Paul said, I could see from the moment you got in the truck, we probably shouldn't have shot. Your mind is in 10 million different places. And it's funny for me. It is hard for me to get to that level where I am not really executing my shot. But you're right. I wasn't shooting that good. And then I started not really concentrating and I'm thinking about other different things. And and when I say um, target panic, what I mean was is I was not in control of that shot from an um, inch before the clicker all the way to the moment it clicked because I basically was like not a panic but kind of almost a panic mode meaning just go 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 get off and then it clicked and I just really kind of spazzed out when I should have normally I would have let down and I let down all the time um now it's really smart and that's you're one of the only guys that you know, has a discipline to stop shooting when you're having one of those days I mean if you're hunting that's one shot or three shots or whatever yeah, right yeah with a practice session when you're shooting 40 80 times now you have a real chance to ingrain some bad stuff going on oh yeah and and, and, and you know what i did is I, I i went home hung out with amy had lunch we went and watched a movie and i came back and i shot at five feet and i had her film me and she just it's it's calming and soothing to me it try drives her crazy. She just sits in the garage with me and shoots the shit. We just talk nice. like about it. It could be anything. Um, and then she films me occasionally when I'm not paying attention and, and, and it's in slow motion so I can really watch. And I've been, you know, shot pretty dang good in the next league. And you know what I mean? Shot. Nice. So, but I think one, the, the, having the mental control to stop shooting or let down is probably equally as hard for people. Um, Absolutely. Ziegman is a great example. It is hard for Dave to not shoot, um, just to stop shooting. Dave and everybody else. Well, yeah, yeah. And I only bring up Dave because he wouldn't mind me bringing him up and Dave's a hell of a shot. Yeah. But Dave is, is one of those guys that he shoots so much that sometimes he's like, 
I need to stop shooting. Like I need to just take a mental <laughs> break. And and it's hard for me because I love shooting so much that uh, to to stop. Um, but that was one of the first times where I just lost like what I would say mental control, where I wasn't in control of of anything. And and I don't when the clicker goes off, I don't shoot all the time. Like I don't want to be a slave to the clicker. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'll hold tension and still execute a great shot and almost. Almost like as a uh, to me like a hunting situation. I'm probably not gonna be able to, f- you know, f- you know, I may not be able to fire on the click all the time, but I want to make sure I hold tension. And what's good with having Paul or someone like you around is, did I hold tension? Just because I actually hit the dot doesn't necessarily mean I did everything right. You can yeah. get lucky. And so a lot of times Paul, which is good because he watches me like a hawk, he'll hear that thing click, and a couple seconds later I'll fire, and he'll be like, "Dude, you're good." tension the whole way he couldn't even tell the difference where the next 20 shots i may hit and fire right when the clicker goes off um but um having that uh, it's difficult to not shoot <laughs> yeah man that is that is a step beyond where most guys get that's a step we want to get to that kind of control i mean that's elite level shooting there that's magnificent <laughs> I'm glad I've, I can do it. Um, a lot of that is from the compound, um, from shooting. I it. Can so, see that. you know, because I used to say shooting in the headlights, like I'm going to shoot myself out of a funk. Yeah, that shit doesn't happen. No. I've never seen someone shoot no. themselves out of a, of 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 um, like a slump. I guess you could say. And um, I, you know, I get tons and tons of which I pawn most of them off on you guys. But I'm getting better. I promised you I would. I started answering more questions <laughs> and not pawning them <laughs> off on you guys. Um, a lot of guys will ask uh, um, initially arrows and bow setup and you know things like that. And then other guys will send me videos of them, you know, shooting. And I think um, I mean I don't mind bringing up names, but there are certain people that have been. I hate to say a false prophet, but uh, falsely proclaimed and knowing what they're doing for years in the industry, that snapshoot. And when that happens, and you know way more about that than me, because thank God I had you from the beginning and was basically benign to, I was dumb to the world of any of that. I, I lived it for a couple of decades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you say it's a puncher's chance with that meaning occasionally you can shoot your lights out inside a 20, 25 yard snap shooting, but. Oh yeah. Um, I, I kind of did that a lot. I mean, I blew a bunch too, but every August I'd slow everything down and at least I would put some level of evaluation in my shot, even though it was a snapshot. And I, took a lot of critters back in that day and season would be over and I'd just start, you know, snap shooting again. And yeah, you looked at me in an archery range, you wouldn't believe I could take anything with that recurve. Yeah. But yeah. No, you've, you've definitely got a chance. I mean, sometimes your concentration is so good. Even with that snapshot, your, your brain figures it out and you put one right on the dot. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, the one thing that um, just can't do it consistently. The, I was just—that's what I was going to say. Was the one thing that I found is I can consistently um, go back to forty-five on in, and pretty much all the time hit what I'm aiming at. Not not all the time, right? I mean, I'm, well, but, because you shoot with confidence. What I was shooting with, and what snapshooters shooting with all the time is hope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I can. I mean, now seeing what I've seen it it is it is weird to me because of of um having the coaching that you've you've given me and the knowledge base you've given me and that 
it is hard for me if I don't hit the target at 40, I'm irritated. Like I'm 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 truly frustrated and um not not frustrated. Um I know it was my own discipline that didn't do it. So I have the mechanics and the training from, you know, and I give you all the, the credit in the control, world. Yeah. I've got that. And so if I didn't hit that dot it's not because I wasn't lucky that shot. It's because my dumbass didn't do what I was supposed yeah, to you do. You didn't run your shot like you know you can. Right, yeah. right. And and occasionally, you know, I hate to say this, I'm, 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 my iron mind slips, but occasionally, if I shoot at a Reinhardt eighteen and one at forty yards for an hour, I'm good for a couple misses. But for me, I mean, that's I hate to say acceptable, but if I can shoot at that little bastard for you know a couple hundred times. Usually when I miss, it's generally um, – it's hardly ever collapsing. Usually for me, it's my head position is a problem because I can't. I, I lean over mm-hmm. and I'll dig into the string or push my head down too far or have it too far up. That changes because I, I use my arrow. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and so – And you don't put your head down. You shoot to the left, yep, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Heads up. Move, the arrow comes over. Yeah. And, and thank – the Lord, I'm good enough to now to where I know, like, I'm like, dang, and I don't do it again. And, but there, and there's still imperfect, obviously there's anything yeah, can be perfected. We're, we're human beings. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the other problem, um, of, you know, it's which Danny laughs is I suck. My close game is like happy Gilmore. Um, the last week I shot that league and both targets I missed were sub 16 yards. Um, and it was funny because, uh, you know, that's my own fault. A hundred percent. I don't practice close enough all the time. I'm a 20 and out guy and even 20, Mm -hmm. I need to practice shooting more than I do. And you've got to run to 10 to 20 yards and, and learn to own that too. Just like you've done on all that long stuff, but. Yeah, yeah it, it's not as satisfying. Yeah, granted, right? But you got to walk up and start shooting that. You'll own it just like you do everything else. Well, and that's what I, Amy was laughing because um, I the other day I shot at fifteen, twenty, fifteen, twenty, back and forth, um, you know, and then occasional forty to try to get you know variance. And she's like, uh, she's like, are you having, are you doing a shooting thing, the mind control? And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I just got to work on shooting close up. Because usually when she sees me seeing shooting close, it's because I'm working on my execution and my shot. And I'm like, no, I just suck at shooting close targets. I missed a coyote <laughs> or a fox at like 14 yards. And I don't mean miss. I mean miss. Like it was straight over the top. And when it's good line and, and high, in my opinion, that's just lack of practice. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm not used to that. Yeah. The execu- when you got a good line, the execution's good. That's just moving that bow up or down. And, and you just got to shoot that shot. And, and you're a tremendous instinctive aiming aimer, basically. You can look at a spot, but it's so easy as opposed to 40 where you got that arrow in there saying, yeah, use me. Yeah. To – just look at the whole coyote and shoot over its back instead of focusing down. It's so easy to do. In my mind, the problem is, is my, um, what do you want to call that? My repu- repetition and, 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 uh, 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 what the hell's the word when you're an instinctive shooter, it's not like muscle memory, whatever you want to call it. My muscle memory is locked in on 25 and out more or less. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And you so, know that sight picture intimately. Yeah. And so I'm guessing below 25. And uh, so I'm kind of – I'm not comfortable with 25. I'll shoot apples all day. 
you take six yards off of that shit i'll be i mean it's not it takes me a few shots yeah you're having a hard time making the conversion from a point of aim shooter to an instinctive aimer whereas me being a primarily instinctive aimer it's easy conversion when i get to a known distance 40 45 50 to use the arrow then yes sort of what my problem because i don't use my point on until about 35 is that 25 to 35 when you practice that much your muscle memory the sight picture and everything you know that sight picture yeah yeah and below that i'm all jacked up so it's it's really not the conversion from point on to to instinctive it's the fact that my dumbass doesn't practice below 25 instinctively it's as simple as that you got to shoot the dang shots yeah oh yeah and so and then you have confidence comes into play is this the right side picture? Like, and you know, and you can't do that. I no, mean, fuck we, no. We know <laughs> you gotta just turn aim over the subconscious. It will take care of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> You'll learn to trust it. You just gotta shoot that shot a bunch. Yeah. Now the other thing uh, that uh, has been coming up a lot um, because of different people, you know, podcasts and 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 everything else is this extreme front of center. Um, I don't say debate, but debate mm-hmm. subject. Yeah. Um, and I think people have the wrong impression of where I'm at. I'm not an extreme front of center guy. I like a lot of weight up front. But for me, I don't want to jeopardize one aero durability um, or aero flight in the wind with three to 400 grains up front and a seven grain per inch aero. Now, I like weight up front. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I'm not going to shoot a seven grain per inch arrow and lump 350 grains on the front of that because a seven grain per inch arrow one is weak. It's not a very, yeah. you know, strong arrow. Now, if I was shooting just targets, I, I think the FOC debate is a little bit swayed more towards target shooting. I think, you know, you'll probably get a little bit more, um, I would say extreme front of center fakes a lot of tuning issues from what I've seen. Now, I don't know if you would agree with that, but it seems like um, with all that point weight up front, uh, it's kind of pulling the arrow more than, you know, the arrow pushing the point, If and that's a very lame and bad way to explain it. But y- you can usually get um, away with a little bit more, it seems like, with crazy, crazy front of center. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess what are your thoughts on that? And I know what your setup is, but what do you, what do you generally shoot for an arrow and what's up front on your, on your, on your arrow well, for weight? Right now I'm shooting a gold tip pierce, and so it's like an eight grain an inch arrow. And I'm shooting 250 grains up there, and it's a long arrow, which is really nice if I want to use the point to aim with. But what that does, when you move that leverage point forward, you know, you get high FOC, and you put that balance point forward, you've got a longer uh, lever, you know, out there. You've got those feathers can steer that arrow much easier. So, yeah, it cleans a lot of stuff up for sure. It also doesn't drift as much in the wind. Um, Unless you, know, you have 15 inches of feather, I did. It doesn't drift. <laughs> yeah. it, it corkscrews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That wind will push that arrow around, around a lot. But uh, I, you know, the Ashby stuff came out, and there's a lot of guys like, oh, I got to shoot a 620 grain arrow. I got to have more than 20% weight forward. And, you know, and some of us older guys just laugh. I mean, 
in the old days, I killed a lot of elk with a 490 or 500 grain wood arrow with a 125 grain bare razor head on in front of it, right? And those arrows never bounced out. Yeah, and yeah. And did they pop through the whole animal like they do now, stuff I'm shooting? No. Yeah. Uh, but when I put them in the boiler room, it got every, it killed every one of them. Mm-hmm. And so is there a benefit to wait for it? Absolutely. Is there a point which it becomes diminishing my, returns? Yes, absolutely. You're going to you're going to get an arrow so heavy that your effective range is squat. You know that's no good. I mean, I've experimented. You know, what the problem is, guys don't have like our shop around the corner, and it's really expensive to try a bunch of different stuff. Um, you know, I, but I got to do that. I started off with like a 900, 850, 900 grain arrow that tuned to my bow and. Man, I was good to about 16 yards. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big guy. I don't have a long draw length. Yeah. And, you know, so I kept going down and down and down. And, and so the general advice for me is I do shoot the heaviest arrow that, uh, that I can tolerate the trajectory of. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. so and for me that somewhere in the range of 530 to 570. Yeah. You know, my different setups have been right in that range and I've killed moose and elk and never had penetration problems. Yeah, you know, at my size and the bows I shoot, am I going to bust through bones? No, I'm not. <laughs> well, and, and that's one of the things I try to get my what I, that I'm trying to help people understand is if you have a 27 or 8 inch draw, um, and you are trying to shoot 350 grains up front, um, that doesn't necessarily make it. Um, that's not necessarily the best. Uh, nah, you're going to rob. You're going to rob. At least ten yards off your effective range, right? There's which is a, a happy, lot of opportunity for us, man. Oh yeah, and there's a happy medium. My happy medium is five seventy to six hundred. Yeah, um, that's awesome for you and your draw length and weight of bows you shoot. You shoot long ways through a moose with that setup of your. Well, and and I I'm kind of the I want a forty yard roughly point on. Yeah. Um, I shoot three under. I want to be somewhere around one hundred and eighty feet per second, and I want my arrow to weigh five seventy to six hundred. Um, Roughly, which has been relatively easy to do. Um, You know, what I've had happen recently is guys, compound and traditional, literally call me and say, okay, I just ordered a bunch of 300 grain broadheads. Um, What arrow do I shoot? And I'm like, well, man, I'm going to need a hell of a lot more detail than that. I need to know your draw length. I need to know your poundage. I need to know where your, you know, this is all shit I've learned from you. Are you cut center? Are you past center? You know, yeah, I I said, I need to know all that. And I said, next thing that's important is what are you hunting, right? What, what are your goals? I'm like, are you, are you whacking whitetails out of a tree stand at 14 yards? Or are you going to go try and shoot spot and stock mule deer or elk? Like there's a lot. Now I think my setup, of course, it's a biased opinion. It's my setup is the most well-rounded that I could ask for. And I think it's a 40-yard point on at that speed um, and that heavy of an arrow. Man, and and I— And you can shoot softballs at 40 yards. I've seen it. Oh, yeah, your your kid was funny when he was watching me shoot. I didn't know. He'd never seen me shoot before, Tommy. Tommy? Yeah, he'd never seen me (laughs) shoot. And he was just standing there looking at that target, and he was like, do you shoot like that all the time? I'm like, pretty pretty much. He's like, can I film that? I was like, yeah, go ahead, man. Now, keep keep in mind, it's my point on. So I'm cheating, well, right? Even I mean, Danny, but, he, he's like, holy shit, can Aaron shoot? <laughs> <Yeah>. what, <laughs> practice, man. I shoot a lot of arrows with perfect practice yeah. is, is yeah. the thing. But 
you know, for me, that speed and everything else, I feel comfortable. Even moose, I don't. I'm, I'm not worried to shoot a moose with a 580 grain arrow. No, you know, no. and so when you when you go like full bore, I'm going 300, and you're going from 100 to 125 grain point on a compound. Let's say to a 250 to 300 grain point, or on a traditional setup, you're going from 175 to 225 up front to 350. I mean, you're talking, you're going from a, I mean, pick your analogy, but you're going from a Honda Accord to a, a semi-truck. Yeah. Like, it big difference. And so you need to know when you're making these decisions, I, I think anyway, and I want you to interject on this, is what is your end goal is a big part of what you're doing with, you know, and again, I get, I should not, I do not need five-inch feathers on the end of my arrow, on the back end. But I'm comfortable, and I get, you know, Brent Hahn with Valkyrie makes fun of me all the time or whatever, but there's a confidence portion of it too. I am confident with my chicken feathers in the back of that arrow, and I like all 15 inches of them. Yeah. It doesn't bug me, and they talk about drift and everything. I'm not making – I'm not poking shots out there at 80 yards anymore. I'm, I'm a 20 – I want to shoot something at 25. Yeah. I like the idea if I re- totally blow the release, yes, that feathers are going to correct that. Yeah, and a perfectly flying arrow is more important than everything else as far as penetration goes. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Sorry, my phone's blowing up. And so it is very valid – that when someone says about the heavy front of center that you cut your veins down or your feathers in the back because the point's doing more pulling of the arrow and and that's just a guide in yeah, the back have, with that long lever because your your balance points way up in front it, you know it that thing stabilizes with less feather much easier it's got better leverage the back end of the arrow has much more leverage over the, steering that arrow so where, where I really was a uh, I don't know what you want to call a giant blinking light to me as we shot the mountain course in high wind and uh, my shit looked like a tomahawk missile. It was bad. Like when it came out of the bow, you know, especially because I was shooting from the compound stakes, I literally was getting, I bet 14 inches of waggle, 28 total left and right. It looked horrible from all that, those feathers. Now it was 30, 40 mile an hour winds and I was taking... 40, 50-yard shots. If you had three three-inchers, it wouldn't look much difference, honestly, with that kind of side wind. It's just nothing helps that, and, and what I what I saw was Kevin. Um, I don't know what Kevin's last name is. He shoots some kind of a border hybrid. Oh, Kevin Bannister, yeah. Yeah, he was shooting like 700-grain arrows with 15 inches of chicken feather on the back of his. No waggle. Like, really? But he was drifting. You know, obviously, but he wasn't getting the waggle, and his his arrow was evenly weighted, so to speak. He had high grains per inch on his arrows and a decent point weight up front, and he wasn't getting the corkscrewing I was because I had 300 grains up front, relatively light arrow, and then all that chicken feather in the back of it. And that caused it to to waggle more, I think, because I had all that point weight where his was more even. And so he wasn't maybe getting the tomahawk missile effect. Yeah, the feathers couldn't steer it as much with that side wind. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and now, would you say that's true or am I just – No, I think that's valid. I mean, like I said, that lever arm stabilizes zero quicker, but it's more influenced by side winds too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because that lever arm's pushing that 
knocked to the side right. with and, that win. And now I have two different setups, which is interesting because I have one 600-grain Grizzly Stick TDT. It's a 320, and I've got – it's pretty evenly weighted throughout, meaning – it's not crazy heavy up front, and uh, it's averagely weighted grains per inch, um, and the five-inch feathers in the back. And then I have the Pierce, which is a little bit lighter arrow and quite a bit more weight up front. And I will say the I get less waggle out of the TDTs in wind with an averagely weighted arrow mm-hmm. than I do with the the um, the Valkyrie Gold Tip system. Now. I could just fix that and go to two-inch feathers in the back, which is what's been suggested to me. My thing is, is I hate to fix what's not broken. And it may be better, but I have had such good luck with five-inch feathers. Yeah, I can't and, switch. And think of this. You backpack hunt a lot. Yeah. You're in a lot of rain. Yeah. <laughs> you got little feathers. It's Those get flat pretty easy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you got those nice five-inch feathers out there. You're going to still have a bunch of steerage, even if they get a little soaked yeah, down in the shaft. Down. Yeah, I yeah. mean that to me is the biggest issue. I mean the biggest reason I stick with bigger, more feather. Right, and I pretty much do what you do anyway. I just mimic what you do. But the thing is, is you know, again, what is your end goal? If I was target shooting, no doubt I would have two-inch feathers on the back, and I would have heavy point weight, and I. No denial. But when you go into the hunting side of things, I don't think it's as cut and dry as, hey, throw 300 grains up front and two-inch feathers in the back and you're no. going to be good to go. There's a lot of variance in the middle. Here's here's what I like because <clears throat> you kind of asked me for this. I like a guy to have at least 500 grains for elk hunting, minimum. I like 200 grains up front. I think that's such an overall, you know, an arrow that will do everything. I like that. 550 range for us kind of guys with 200 up front. Mm-hmm. Now I'm shooting 565 with 250 up front with a 43 grain insert. I had a moose tag last year, wanted to bump it up, but that's also what tuned out of that full length 400. Right. And when I went to a 500, yeah, not so much. I had to cut the arrow way short and just didn't like setup. That full length arrow with all that arrow up in front improves my sight picture. I still get 170 feet a second for not a big guy's not bad. Yeah, that's right? pretty damn good. Yeah, and and it'll I'll get an exit wound on everything I shoot. Yeah, I'm totally happy with that. But if I went back to a 530 grain setup with 200 up front, I'd be happy with that too. Right, and and I a lot of this has to do. Well, Danny had pointed out. I won't mention the name of it, but there was a, a few Facebook groups that were using my. Uh, a podcast I had talked about certain things or whatever, and one of the first things brought up was I, I'd shot through that bear just after emptying my quiver for the most part at it. But I went through both scapulas with that big uh, uh, Silver Flame XXL. I think it's two inches wide. Went through both scapulas. I mean, it kept going. You know, the first thing that was said is I guarantee he's shooting a 650-grain arrow. And so Danny messaged me. He's like, hey, what's your arrow weigh? And I was like, I don't know, 580 something, I think, at the time. You know, I, I adjusted him a little bit since then. And he's like, did you find that arrow? I'm like, no, man, I, di- I didn't find that arrow. And believe me, I was looking because uh, I had no arrows left. So I was trying to find them all, <laughs> you know. And my, the a bear's not an elk. A bear's not a moose. Uh, I did th- shoot through the the scapula, the meaty part, you know, and and, and not a bone, not the bone, right? It's, it is the scapula. So it's... 
whatever, three to four inches or more thick of meat. And then you've got the scapula plate, you know, went through both sides. Yeah, that's impressive. It was good penetration. Now, I could have been shitting my pants and drawn my bow back an extra inch or two. Who knows? Because it wasn't like I was, my iron mind went to shit uh, on that whole bear experience. (laughs) But, you know, that it it worked. And, you know, I'm learning as I go here, as as I'm kind of stacking up animals, you learn something every hunt, every fail, every success. You're, You're learning something. The one thing I've learned, and, and I don't know how – I'm still at a low enough number I can probably count, but I'm on 17, 18 animals, including turkeys with a stick bow. And my arrow system has always been about the same, somewhere between 2 to 275 up front, which obviously is a big difference, but somewhere in there. But my arrow's always flown around 180. My arrow's always weighed, weighed between 580 and 600, and I've always had three 5-inch uh, feathers. Well – it's hard to argue with success and it's hard to change from what works. And so for me, I have dabbled a little bit with the shorter veins or feathers. And what worries me is that release. If you have a bad release, Mm -hmm. and I've watched this slow motion through paper, everything else, that arrow just corrects faster with more feathers. It's just common sense. Absolutely. And so for, for me... I, I hate to say it. I'm sorry, Brent, if you're listening. I'm keeping the five-inch feathers on the back of the arrow um, because it works. And I'm not I'm not shooting a compound at 100 yards anymore. Like a 40-yard shot is a, is a poke. I mean, it is a far shot with a, with a stick bow. And most shots I'm hoping to get within 25. And so I don't worry as much about um, the wind and everything else, because of if I'm doing my job right and the wind is that high, yeah, I can more, shoot that range. Yeah, hell no. More than most likely, I'm gonna shoot it at five feet because it's stuck in its bed and it doesn't want to get out of it because it doesn't like the wind anyway. Yeah, it can't hear you coming. Right, exactly. So now, who knows? I may have three epic fails where I can talk myself into something else. But um, you know, for me, I, you know that I'm kind of like you. Obviously, I, my my weights are up a hair more because my draw length's a little more, so I can bump my arrow weight up. Up and my poundage is a little bit higher. But for the most part, for guys, do not freak out. And in my opinion, if you're at 530 to 550 grains and you're shooting 170 feet per second, do not worry about killing an elk. No. Worry about accuracy. Just hit it where you want or Guy, need to. Guys will question me and question me is like, will this kill an elk? Yes, it will. Are you sure? Is this going to get it done? I promise you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen it happen many Please, times. Trust me. <laughs> trust me. Uh, here's another, my opinion on what you're saying before. A guy like you could get away with less feathers. I mean, solid form, consistent shots, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a snap shooter and you let go at 26 sometimes and 28 and a half sometimes or 24 sometimes, <laughs> and you're changing the dynamic spine on your arrow by, based on your draw length. Oh, More yeah. More feathers yeah. are going to be really important to you. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're a newer shooter, you haven't worked out that perfect consistency, you're going to benefit. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it is, it is, uh, I wouldn't say comical, but I like to get on those threads and read. Uh, what's being said back and forth. Uh, I, can't, I can't even do it anymore. Um, you have to have a certain tolerance, that's yes. for sure. <laughs> you do. Danny just straight up told me, he said, don't get on it. 
He said, don't. Of course, I didn't listen and I got on it. And anyway, um, and, and not to say that there's it's a bad website or, a ba- you know, I'm not. Or, you know, and, there, and there is a million ways to skin a cat. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not saying you have to. I never say you have to you need to do it this way. Right. I believe that if you do it this way, you'll have the best success. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of guys that don't do anything like that. And they're really successful and they're really good. So, yeah. I mean, look at uh, Randy Cooling. Um I mean, he, I told him I was shooting a 570 some grain arrow and he's like, why are you shooting such a heavy arrow? And I was like, what? Well, he's killed everything with like a 400 and something grain arrow. And we're talking grizzlies and water buffalo and all kinds of shit. Yeah. Look at Rick Dugan and Nathan Anderson. Those guys don't shoot super heavy arrows. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, Rick Dugan's, well, he just killed the. He's he's the first guy to get the super slam just ahead of. Oh, Fred with the recurve bow. Yeah. Nathan Anderson's the first and only man to ever get the super slam with a longbow. Yeah. Well, there you go. And their arrows are like five something, just over yeah, five, yeah. right? Or, or just under. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I, I, I mean, I think I, Fred had mentioned before, he shoots 125 up front in a standard insert. Yeah. I mean, so uh, again, I guess what I'm getting at is don't freak out people and, and don't listen to everything you hear on the internet, including from me. Do a little research, you know, talk to guys that actually put some animals on the ground. I'm a relative greenie with all this. I'm just learning. And and again, when I say, I just repeat what you tell me. I don't differ too far. The only thing I've done different maybe from what you and I have worked on is I shortened my draw length of hair. And the more I've dissected that is I think it would have been impossible for anyone to pick out the way my form was that I was overextended. And a lot of that is because of my face, my hand, and my anchor. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at, if I anchored up here, which is where most people anchor with my fingers in the corner of my mouth, mm-hmm. and then I go back to here, what is that, two inches? It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. So I'm anchoring back here by my face. And when I'm doing that, automatically my scapula is rotating the way that I pull. Like some guys can just do that and not not move their their body back. Does that make sense? Like you can just... Well, most of the time it's a shoulder pull mm-hmm. instead of back tension. Right. There is one ideal draw length for you, and that's where that scapula kind of hits the wall. Right. With rotational movement, angular movement. Yeah. In other words, moving to the back of your arm behind you, not in the direction of your elbows pointed, but behind you. That scapula will settle in there, bam. There's your draw length. Now set your anchor. And I think the problem was, is as you were asking me questions, I wasn't answering because of lack of knowledge and knowing my body as well as I probably should. And it's pretty hard when you have a bowed up guy like myself to tell exactly where my scapula is if I'm not telling you, hey, my scapula is kind of not bottomed out per se, but I was running out of room and I have no mobility. And so what did I, we shortened my draw like a half inch? Yeah, something like that. Earlier times, I didn't know how to ask those questions or I didn't understand it as thoroughly as I do now. Yeah, Well, and I didn't do a very good job answering it because I should have just told you and I didn't know as far as because, you know, just shooting a recurve, one, how much di- – well, that and I was worried about speed because I was a dumb shit. And so an extra half inch gets you a couple feet per <laughs> yeah, second. And, it's a lot. It's and, like five pounds of bow weight. Well, and what did it was the clicker. Right. And I think part of the problem, too, is maybe when you were watching me, I was underdrawing. And then maybe when you left, I started to overdraw, if that makes any. And that changes the release, because if you go a half inch difference in, in, in that's a lot. Uh, you're taking away a lot of movement or you're 
your scapulas are, I guess you could say, closing up. You could probably explain that better than, than I could. But if I'm overextending or overdrawing and I have no motion or room left to go, my hand almost has to go out. Okay, here's here's what it is. When you're overextending, you know, you can do, use angular movement, back of the arm behind you, bam, hits the wall. There's your draw length. But when you go ahead and involve the deltoid or your shoulder pull, go pull like what's intuitive, you know, arrow's pointing left, the arrow goes the direction your elbow is, and you drag out of the anchor into a deeper anchor, that's that's all on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. That's not back tension. And right. your hand has no choice but to fly out. And that's what I was doing. That's what you're doing. And what you probably found was once you got into your back completely, yeah, you made a, you know, your anchor point was a little bit forward, but your release breaks so clean and it's such a powerful shot. Any difference in speed was moot then. Oh yeah, because your shot was so much better, and your and you started shooting vertical lines now. Oh now yeah, now the the lefts and rights disappeared. Your arrow flight got better. Well, and, and shot and was you, snappier. If you learn anything from this, is don't lie to your coach. Meaning, I think I was shooting with more correct form when you were around. And then going to shit when you were gone. <laughs> um, and that's the God's honest truth. Like I'm very upfront with my own deficiencies on a lot of this. And I, one of the things was, and I called Danny, I said, dude, I somehow managed to draw to my broad head on, with a white tail below me. <laughs> I was like, my arrow's two inches longer than my draw. Yeah, that's a big shoulder pull. Oh, and, and I'm strong enough to do it. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've heard guys say, oh, once you get to a point, you can't pull through the clicker or whatever. Oh, believe me, I'll get through it. I can pull through oh, yeah. the clicker. You can convert from back tension to shoulder pull all day long. Oh, and I'm strong Easy. enough to, to – 60 pounds is not a heavy weight no. for me. And so that's the one thing I kind of learned with that clicker, which is why I've Im- improved so much, is it keeps you honest. I mean, for drawing specifically, it for me, I don't really need it as much as a psycho trigger. Um, I need it to say, hey, dumb shit, you're at the spot you should be at, meaning – if I'm shooting farther, like a dummy, I pull back farther. Most people yeah, do. Yeah, most people do. They arch their back up. They get out of position. Oh, I'm a, I was a triple-clicking son of a bitch there for a while, like on long shots. Like, you know, the other thing, too, is the way that you showed me to draw where I get into my back quicker, mm-hmm. if I don't draw that way all the time, it's funny. When I draw that way, I triple-click. I mm-hmm. click early. Sure. And then if I draw, I say incorrectly, if I draw how I was used to, I click late. Yeah, because you can't get into your back as well. Exactly. And so I've had to make sure and, and, and be as diligent as possible that I draw one the exact same way to my best ability every time. Otherwise, you're going to be moving that stupid clicker cord like I was. Back and forth and back and forth. And right? it's only an... It's only an eighth inch. Yeah. Eighth inch is a, a mile on a clicker. I have learned that. And then if you set that clicker when you're fresh, eh, you're not going to be so happy at the end of the day. If you set it at the end of the day, the next morning, you're going to be triple clicking like crazy. There is <laughs> yeah. a, for me anyway, a happy medium on that clicker mm-hmm. that that is where your perfection is at. Well, and for you, you execute your that through the click with true expansion which most guys don't. When you're learning, you kind of have to, you know, there's that transfer hold movement where you anchor and then you drive the back of your arm behind you to get fully engaged into your back. Mm -hmm. And usually guys will set that clicker up. Basically, they're driving through the clicker on that transfer hold movement. Right. Because they're not accurate enough yet. Yeah. But now that you have got your body in perfect alignment every time, 
you settle in and you don't lose tension in the process. You're always gaining subtle tension the whole way through. And then you're settled on target and you let it go. And then you're just keeping tension and your body's expanding and click, boom, perfect release. Yeah. Uh, that's elite level shooting. That's what I'm hoping for every shot. Doesn't yeah, always pan yeah. out that way. But no, let, here again, there's not a human being alive that makes a perfect shot every time. You know, I, I, have you heard me talk about like the goal schedules when I was at the OTC that they had? Mm-hmm. They were like at elite level shooting, you're working on elite level technique or something complex. You want to be successful 30% of the time within a month. Mm-hmm. Three out of 10 shots ran perfect with that technique. Their three month goal was 60%. Mm-hmm. And their one year goal was 90%. They never put 100% in there in any the, of their goals ever yeah. for perfect execution, which I thought was damn interesting. And in other words, you're working on a new technique. Don't expect this thing to change overnight. You only want to get 30% in that first month. I mean, that's what they're telling you it's going to take right. to work on a, a really high-level technique. And then after three months, yeah, you're shooting more than half of your shots perfectly. Yeah. And in a year, you should be dialed in and shooting virtually all your shots. I mean, it's funny you mentioned you're bringing this up because – and you know how anal retentive I am on shooting. Like it's it's a – but, but probably not, not necessarily head case level, but if you were – I dissect everything. So – Everyone can probably relate to this. Why some days you go to the target and, and let's say you're using your point on and your point on is 37 or 38 mm-hmm. and you're drilling. Why the next day are you hitting out the bottom of the target? Let's say head position's the same and everything else. I would guarantee if you have someone film you from one day to the next, which I do, you are not one um, – pulling through the shot you are not executing your shot correctly yep. one and that little bit of loss and tension you're oh, gonna hit out huge. the bottom oh yes. and huge. believe me i know this because i'm telling you because i just went through this shit for the last three months dissecting all of this is how one day is am i and then and then how is it that i have three arrows in an apple at 40 and then why do i have three in the dirt 12 inches low in the 18 and one three equal groups or, or two equal groups six mm-hmm. total arrows well, one, it's either going to be head position, um, which I get in point where that's locked down, mm-hmm. or I am not pulling through the shot as cleanly. I'm not breaking as clean, I guess you could say, or pulling through as clean for three of the arrows as I am the other three. And it is a, I'm talking slight, you're talking slow mo. One of the good things about shooting, I actually prefer com- slow mo, or I actually prefer. Uh, photography over video when you're really dissecting. And when I say that meaning, if some, if I'm firing off nine frames to 14 frames per second, depending upon the camera, for my entire shot execution, that is minute movement that I'm able to go from one photo to the next photo to the next photo nice. and dissect me stopped. Well, you know what that told me? When you start dissecting that, especially when it's framed perfectly, you see that my elbow is in a slightly, and I'm talking ever so slightly position when I release. And what uh-huh. that is, is that elbow is not as far back. So I'm not necessarily giving up okay. tension. I got a perfect way to put this. Yeah, go ahead. Because I don't have a very good way to explain oh, it. <laughs> but it, this is wonderful. And guys, you should take a lot from this. This is the wording that Kissy Olympic coach uses. He says, every shot, you got to pack all the powder into the gun. 
and I was shooting a twenty-two round and then a three thirty-eight Lapua. Right. Yeah. So hundred percent. When you were drawing to load, when you're drawing into anchor and transfer, that scapula has got a bam right against the spine. Great back, completely into your back. Every shot, every shot when you're raising the bow, you got to get your shoulder alignment all the way perpendicular to the target. That's, you know, any difference in where your shoulders are pointed and how your front arm is extending on that. We should have a straight line from your right shoulder through your left shoulder right to the front wrist. If you leave that alignment a little shy, your shot's a little bit weaker. So you got to put all the powder in the gun with alignment on your on your upper, you know, the front half, your shoulder, shoulder hand alignment. And then when you draw into anchor and transfer, that thing's got to hit the stop. That's yeah. packing all the powder in the gun every shot. If you do that, you're consistent day to day to day. You won't have that weak shot. Like, what the hell? From one group to the other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's or, so easy to not pack the powder because it's work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. It, it it requires work. And and when you do all of this correctly, and I've, I've talked about or said this analogy before of, of dropping the quarter in the coffee cup from a foot above it. If you do it because someone tells you to, after a while, you're going to get bored and you're going to miss the coffee cup. But if you say you get a million dollars if you do it a hundred times in a row, you're going to concentrate. You need that amount of concentration in this case of packing all the powder in the gun or your shot every time. Correct. It doesn't take much. And I'm not saying this like I do it right all the time. I'm saying this so people learn from it because I don't. And I'm getting to where I do every time, obviously, with work. The other thing, too, is you need to make sure and do that when an animal's in front of you. Oh, um, the most, yeah. And that's when everything truly generally goes to, to shit. Um, yeah, because well, you, you go automatic instead of staying in your conscious mind. Now, like, you know, it's like Joel puts it, you know, subconscious is always seeking efficiency or the easy way out. Yeah, that's so true. So if you're automatic, you're gonna it's going to seek the easy way out. You're not going to go into that full position and do all the work. But tell me this, this is... I'm sure you're going to relate to this. It's such a pain in the ass at first. Oh, yeah. You just want to shoot. Yeah. Right? It's so fun to just shoot. And so you really kind of hate the fact that you got to work that hard to, to make a great shot. But after a while, when you've done the work, you actually embrace it. You, you do. and Because, and it, you know, like, if I just do this, I run the shot like this, it's going to be a good shot. Well, and, and, and it, that's and it, a great feeling. Oh, yeah. And it becomes – you. I mean, it's like eating healthy. And I used this analogy the other day. When you first start eating healthy, nothing tastes good. It just doesn't. It's healthy. a great analogy. Yeah. But once you get used to eating healthy, bad food tastes bad and good food – and healthy food tastes good once you – have kind of adapted to it. And you feel better, so now you embrace it. And that's the same way with what Tom is talking about. Bad shooting may be funner at first, but once you convert to good form, good shooting habits, that will be just taste as good, just as good as a cheeseburger. And when you go back to eating a cheeseburger, meaning bad form, you're going to be like, ah, Jesus, what did I just do? And so now when I go back to eating a cheeseburger, I'm like, good Lord. You don't like cheeseburgers that, that now? That felt horrible. Uh, I do still like – Come we on, just, man. Big greasy – little grease dripping down your chin. You don't like that? Scouting the other day, we ate a triple <laughs> cheeseburger. That'll baby. I about shit my ass off, though, after eating it. My body was not used to that much grease. Good Lord. But it was good, I would say. But but Or drinking soda. We'll say that after you quit drinking okay. soda. Yeah, I did do that. I, uh, that was hard at first. But now that I – if I try a Pepsi, I just – I hate I, – it just tastes bad. And I, I would say that, you know, once you get to where 
you are executing everything correctly. When you go to incorrectly, it's kind of a, an icky feeling. You're like, ah, what the hell did I just do? And I will say it, there is a satisfaction of pulling up on the line and dropping bombs with a recurve equivalent to guys with a compounded 40. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that dingling that's looking for my arrows behind the target every time I shoot. Can't hit a trash can at 20 yards. Right, right. And so there, there is a, um, a level of satisfaction of, of, of getting all this together. Now, I mean, having said that, it's not like, um, I mean, I, I, it's not like I'm performing these all the time. I'm always striving to, to, to do it correctly. But that was one thing I've noticed that my release hand, when I'm not packing all the powder in the gun, my release hand also is Flies out. slightly different, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and again, when you watch these in photos, one frame at a time, so a quarter of an inch of movement at a time or less in, in a series of 15, 20 photos, you really can see. And if you watch, because my hand, I mean, you guys aren't watching this, but when I come um, against my face, I kind of come out and around to my shoulder, mostly because I'm bowed up. But what it showed me is those first frames coming back, I am tight against my face. Actually, I was going to mention it, Aaron, you put an Instagram post up. Yeah. And it shows how tight your release is. Because that first 16th inch of movement, the tension in the right direction, that perfect that tension that goes straight through the arrow and straight off the back of the arrow you have that but you have lack of flexibility you got big biceps so you don't move like i don't look like brady ellison i can tell you that (laughs) (laughs) but but that first inch of movement is perfect or more and and that's i get that's all you need man an inch to an inch and a half or roughly against my face and then i do come out away just from because i'm kind of bowed up but one thing I've I've been able to watch with the pho- photography and and it was it was that the arrow moving like it was halfway through flight was that the one you were talking about the photo it was just coming off your bow right that was cool and was and cool. what we're doing is we're I was trying to show several people with by photos what I was talking about of you have got to stay tight to your face for the beginning of that shot to have any hope of shooting consistently and when I you know, rewind, and you told me it takes three years to 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 start to hit your peak level shooting a recurve. Yeah, hit your potential. Uh, right. Hit your potential. And the first year, I was occasionally good, right? I could occasionally shoot good, but not always. But I was I was no, pretty you good. Were damn good the first year, like what, for for the first year being the first compared year to I, now. I, yeah, for a first year guy, un stupidly good but you were right i've gotten better um a lot better and one of the things that is it is it is dissecting this stuff like it it is picking apart and you know i i know now like i don't get lefts and rights very often but i know now it's generally never the equipment's fault which is the the crutch of all compound and and trad shooters is keeps me in business oh yeah it's it's the equipment (laughs) right And, and there's the new bow aura Right, you're always going to shoot a new bow. Generally, better for at least a couple weeks because yeah, you're cognitive about your yeah, shooting. <laughs> exactly, you want it to shoot good. And then it goes. I, I will bring up Zygmunt again because I like to poke fun at you, Dave. Pick a bow for God's sake. You shoot a lot of different bows, and some people don't mind doing that. But if you start, and and, and, and as I poke fun at Dave, it's because he's a very good friend. Oh, and I can't make fun of him because I'm a boho. Yeah, I like different bows. <laughs> Tommy's really, the same way. Oh, he's Tommy's like, really bad. And, yeah. and I'm on the other end of the. Spectrum. Yeah, I'm, Danny's like you. Just give one, me one bow, and I'm going to shoot that till 
the cows. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm a one bow guy. And the thing with me is 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 how my brain works and everything else. Like I can't go to a tournament without shooting the night before. Everything it is hard for me to just run and gun and fling. Where other guys, they almost seem better when they do that. Um, not not all the time, but mm-hmm. like when my um, well, Amy was laughing the other day. I, I replaced the felt on my riser. I replaced the D-loop cord. And then I commenced to shoot for two hours in the garage um, over and over. Sure. Everything was exact. Um, I, that is extreme OCD. But I walked out on the course and everything was good. Now, it probably would have been good in five minutes. But, man, it's got to be ingrained in my brain um, that it's good. And, and that could be probably a downfall in a lot of ways, and, and you know, to make sure, you know. That, to- yeah, that confidence thing is giant. It's why you don't have target panic like most guys. I don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> think I'll get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, so as we're talking about all of this. Uh, oh, sorry to say that word. I, uh, those two words. I, I <laughs> you know, I make jokes about that because I think some people get target panic by studying it. Yeah, yeah, something could get in your head. You're right. Um, I think Joel is um, an amazing brain doctor, he and is. he will help many, many, many people. Virtually all of them. I am one I don't think he will help because of my hard-headedness and stubbornness, and I'm blaming myself for this, probably because I'm I'm uh, my the way that my – I'm not saying he wouldn't help me. I'm saying I probably wouldn't allow him to, and you need to be accepting, and I'm saying this if you go get coached from Joel, check your ego at the door. Like you need to go yeah, in. Yeah, you need to go in with an open mind and, and listen and do it. Yeah, exactly. Make a decision to actually do what he's asking you to do, and you will have success. I promise you. Yeah, exactly. And I think with me, I probably wouldn't check the ego at the door um, because I'm. I, I general with you, my ego is totally checked. I think with Joel and the personality differences. Uh, when I say personality differences, probably because we make fun of each other all the time, which I like. I prefer. It's kind of funny. Oh yeah, but at I first I, I was made me a little nervous, but. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of enjoying it now. Oh, it's fun. I, I do. I will say I'm looking forward to shooting against Joel because he is a very good shot and I like competition. Yeah. Um, and you're not getting in my mind, Joel. Um, in fact, I'm f- quite certain I'm going to get into yours, but we'll see. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's another thing, too. Is, is uh, So we're dealing with two alphas. You've even said it yourself. Oh, yeah, to- totally. And, and so this is going to be fun and I will be there. Oh yeah, no. It'll, I I know Danny is looking forward to it. Actually, Dan, Danny's a little shit stirrer when it comes to that stuff, and I like Danny for that reason because he was talking <laughs> Alex the other day. He's like, Alex has been uh, chirping. You should come over to the league tonight when Alex is there. And um, uh, Alex, Alex, my I don't know what Alex's last name Drossler. is. Drossler. Drossler. Yeah, yeah. I, Alex makes me laugh. He's super funny. He's a great guy. And uh, you know the thing is when you get. Um, the big penis thing going on, right? You get four or five alpha males. In my opinion, a lot of it's going to be mind power. It's going to be who can keep their mental crap together. And in from what I've seen, is it's not going to be necessarily, uh, you know, if everybody was shooting dots, you know, on a different day, probably the groups are going to look about the same. You know, it's going to come down to mental discipline and control and who can keep their shit together every shot and keep execute their shot, shoot their game and not let anybody get in their mind and not second guess themselves. It's probably going to do less about their actually shooting ability because they can all shoot. You know what I mean? Well, I, I got to tell you, you two are the best 
trad shooters I know. I know a lot of guys. Um, and the reason of it is you is the mental control both of you have. Well, I remember totally. once you laughed because uh, remember my clicker came now, loose? I will say your mechanics are better than Joel, but well, sorry, good. Joel, but that dumb stuff, I don't know. I, but, I, I Honestly, I almost wonder if Joel has target panic when he shoots that thumb thing and that's his way around it. Um, <laughs> I, and, I, and again, this is like everyone, you know, I say I'm not talking crap about Joel at all, but everyone dissects forever. I had a lot of people say I have target panic because I came away from my face no. or, you know, and, and I look at it and I'm like, why the hell is he shooting? That, is it because he just flat out shoots it better? Is it because he... I, he does enjoy it. He likes a sight picture. It gives him extra draw length. I mean, there's good reasons why he does it. Yeah. And he's exceptionally good at it. Uh, like I said... It seems like You it. two are by far the best shooters that I know. And it would be a, 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 just a great time to, to watch sure, a little oh, shit I'm, talking going on. I'm sure it would. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For, for sure. And I, and I think, too, like Joel's system is in a, and this is coming from you he's a 32 yard ish point on guy how well, is with, with one rig he had i mean he's got different rigs now mm-hmm. so he's and he can change his acre point a bit yeah to change his, his point on he's kind of evolved into more i don't know not variety but different he's added to his game as far as that goes um so He's an exceptional point of aim shooter. With the thumb, he's watching both the pitch and the can't, so to speak, both the windage and the elevation. Elevation, so he can see a lot with that thumb. Now, me and some other people tried it. We just we're not picking it up, and and so I don't teach it at all. I defer to Joel or somebody else as far as that that thumb shooting stuff goes for, for me when it comes to killing you're not going to talk me out of shooting the way we shoot maybe that thumb is better for hunting i maybe not i don't i yeah i i can't argue with the results when i see joel shoot right i mean i can't is it my preference or do i like it i don't but i can't argue with what he does with shooting that way because he's phenomenal at it right and, and, so, it, and it could be what you're familiar with because guys have true. asked me and i'm true. like don't ask me i don't it's like if you had me try to even set you up for the thumb ring thing, talk about a, a, a monkey with three thumbs. I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, guys, I've only shot off the shelf. I basically have only shot three under. That's the end of my story. Like, that's all I got. That's all I can teach you about. You know, you got to have to ask Joel about that type of stuff. And and I think, um, you know, a lot of it, too, is obviously if he's that's what he's comfortable with, why would you change? Well, I mean, it, you know, honestly, he shoots like he does. And, and I've seen him shoot fingers. And he's phenomenal at that too. Yeah, he can, he's really versatile. He can do same with a compound bow, and I don't care what kind of release you put in his hand because the mechanics are the same. Gotcha. And that's what he teaches. Yeah, the mental control and 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 how you're using, how you're concentrating, and you know what to think and how to think. It's all the same. Well, and and the brains work differently. There was the thing where um, you sign the the deal sure. and you. I'll just tell you, I mean, and this is how my brain works. I'm not going to take the test because I'll fail it. So there's no reason for me to take it because I'm already going to tell you I'm going to fail. The test is a demonstration of decision-making. And and it and it's also demonstrates a difference between subconscious movements and cognitive movements. Closed-loop control system, mental control system, open-loop, or subconscious and conscious. Right. That's what the 
the drill it's for. But it's funny. You can see that as a predictor of how guys are going to do in a class. If it takes them 13 times to sign their name perfectly and hitting the lines, mm-hmm. we're, going to have, <laughs> we're going to work a lot harder with that guy because he's not a great decision maker. And, and here's what's weird with me is um, it probably would take me more. I doubt it. I get Well, I can hardly write in cursive as part of the problem too. But I think with me, and I've tried to explain this with guys that um, are looking to ask uh, Joel for help and are uncertain. And the one thing I've tried to explain is a guy with a brain like mine, I already know why you're taking the test. I understand it yeah. and, and I don't yeah. need to take it. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and I, that sounds horrible. When I say I don't need to take it, I'm going to suck at it. But I understand the end result or the goal of the test. And so checking your ego at the door and not look like an idiot to sign it <laughs> is part of it when I don't yeah. even want to sign it. Like I already yeah. know what it's for, so I'm not going to sign it. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, yeah. making one, myself look stupid and two, being as honest as I can. The You're going to have to get um, – uh, accustomed to the fact of, of, of it's somewhat like the military where they're going to kind of break you down. When I say they, meaning you and Joel or Joel, not break you down like make you look like an idiot, but you will probably somewhat Actually, look like an idiot. he kind of wants to – he puts you under pressure right away. To sh- we want to see your worst target panic or right. you know, he wants to see exactly what the problem is. And if you're shooting in your backyard in calm, you don't see the problem as much. You get somebody watching you or getting a turn or getting an ammo in front of you to see it. So, yeah, he's giving people the raspberries when they step up to do their demo shots. And me being – and I'm being way more honest about this. Me being the, the hard-headed a-hole I am, the first thing I'm thinking is, all right, asshole, how about we reverse this and let me do it to you? <laughs> yeah. And let's see how you handle it because I've been in your position before and let's see – let me make fun of you in front of everyone. And that's my own personal mental yeah. issues. Yeah. But I guarantee that's what would happen, which is why I've never went to a class of his. Now, with you, you and I have a very, very, very tight bonded relationship where yeah. you could say, hey, Aaron, you're acting kind of like a dummy here. You really need to do this. So I'm like, all right, Tom. If Joel said that, I'd probably set the bow down and be like, really? Why don't you show me? And that is just ego. And that is, I mean, and I'm being honest, that is just how life works. And so if, and, and and I've had people worry about that to see that are going to see Joel. And I'm like, hey, you really can't shoot for shit right now. So you've got problems. And so what's the worst that could happen if you check your ego at the door? And you and I talked about a guy that saw you as a uh, a, a pupil recently. Well, in the last few months, I'm not mentioning any names, but the guy argued with a lot of what you are teaching him in a defensive way. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is bad because if you're going to argue with the coach, you probably don't need, you probably don't, you you shouldn't take the coaching because you're not going to get anything out of it. And so you really need when you're going into getting getting coached to, to definitely check yourself at the door, you're an open book and just suck in everything you've got. Because if, if they teach you 10 things and you're only sucking in six of them, you're not getting the total package out of it. You're going to have to work on everything discussed to get the total package. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I check my ego at the door. I, You know, Joel says you should take any instruction with skepticism. I, I absolutely agree. If I'm not explaining something in a way that a person's understanding and he says, well, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see how that's going to work. I want a chance to sh- – I believe in this stuff so much – I want a chance to word it in a different way or be 
more thorough with my explanation to show him why this is the best way to do things. Right. And, and, I mean, that makes it, total sense. And if though. he doesn't tell me that, then he's not going to buy in. If he doesn't buy in, he's not going to have any of the benefits from the information. So I like skepticism. I'm a skeptical guy when I get instruction, for sure. If it doesn't make common sense to me, I'm not going to do it. So that's why I'm so verbose in my lessons, no doubt, because I look at any kind of, you know, I don't care if you're a coach or a teacher or a pastor or whatever you are. It's a sales job. you got to get people to buy in. And I get people to buy in by explaining exactly what we're doing, exactly why we're doing it, what the biomechanics behind this are, what, you know, I, I want a guy to to understand thoroughly. We drill down real deep. And does he need all the information? Not necessarily. He could just do it. But if he knows all that stuff, he knows the why I'm working so hard to accomplish this technique, he'll do it. And then he'll get better. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes for, um, let's say, like the clicker, for example. I'm not saying it's because of me, but there's a vast amount of people shooting a clicker now. You know, more and more constantly are asking me about it. Well, if you see a guy shoot a clicker and automatically as a shooting gets better, okay, there's some proof there that yeah. maybe I need to do this. But putting that clicker on is not like um, this magic special sauce if you don't, <laughs> don't perform uh, the correctly of what the clicker is there for. If Because mm-hmm. I have a lot of guys – I put a clicker on and, man, I'm shooting worse. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah, if you're not it. running your, your thoughts correctly, it can make you worse. It can make you jump at the bow going off. Spaz off, yeah. If you're, for instance, if you're listening for the click, yeah. first of all, you're not moving a correct movement because that's not where your thought is. Right. And you will jump at the click. You'll brace at the click. Yeah. If your thought is where it should be with a clicker, without a clicker, just proper archery form, compound or recurve, if your thought is completely on tension in the right direction and, and the click occurs, you let go. Click doesn't occur, you don't let go. Shouldn't it's going to make you better immediately, right? And and, and I, I've seen some guys where the clicker is your signal to collapse, like the moment and they I click. I guarantee you, they're listening for the click. Yeah, and that's probably what it is. Instead of just running tension. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I and I'm not a a coach. I can just see it clicks, they collapse. Right? You can right. explain. I know the, why. Yeah. yeah. And I can tell a guy. Okay, I know what you were thinking because I can read your mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You do it enough. I'm sure. Actually, you can. <laughs> right. Rub the crystal ball. Yeah. This is the way you have to think about this. And, yeah. And that that's the skill in using a clicker is to learn how to think. There's and there's there's Joel's game right there. He's going to teach you what to think and how to think it. Yeah. And. It's so as far as an archery lesson goes, I've never seen anything more transformative than Joel's stuff. Yeah. Because you get a guy with complete loss of control. He can't anchor and aim the bow. And he gets there and it never it's just a, a hot, wet mess. Yeah. At the end of the day, that guy's running great shots under control with Joel with you know, scraping a feather against his ear and jacking with him any and they actually use that for determination to do it correctly. Actually kind of pissing off like, watch this. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's putting through going through all that crap and making perfect shots. That's transformative. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm sure. And I, and I, I mean, I make fun of Joel frequently, but I also send a shit ton of people his way because I'm not a brain doctor. Like maybe at a higher level, I can give guys some a few tips or whatever from experience. But when you come down to a guy 
guides are the same way in the field. Some guides are going to be good at guiding subpar hunters that are maybe a little bit less fit, maybe aren't great shots, and they're they're good, right? And then you're going to have other guides that you better be an elite level for that guy to guide you. Um, you know, and I think um, when you're going into something like that and you have that many, well, like you said, you're a hot mess. Um, you've got so many problems, right? You really need to... I mean, if it's at all possible, and this is my opinion, just start from the beginning. Like, you got to take everything because you've gotten to the point of epic failure by so many things being ingrained in your brain that are wrong. Right. There's probably not much you want to keep a hold of that's in there, right? Right. You're you're probably wanting to do a mass dump. Like, if you could control alt reset on the old apples, you would want to dump everything out of your brain that really you've probably ever learned or most of it um and that's one thing i will say that i give joel credit for and i'm like he is good at resetting the brain like and you great at it yes you have to and and you take it from a guy i have had you know target panic but also from a kind of a greenie um you know coming out with with a traditional archery side the one thing i had is 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 with you is you were able to relate what i knew with a compound directly to picking up the recurve and then kind of mold me from from there and and which was helped the learning curve greatly meaning you're still executing you need to execute your shot you need to you need to have your um you you are better explaining it but well, your your I steps explain it exactly is um well first of all shooting a bow is shooting a bow yeah i mean the the mechanics in the mental game behind shooting a recurve or a compound are the same virtually the same i mean <laughs> Okay, here's the difference. We pre-align our shoulders before we draw. With mm-hmm. a compound, you align your shoulders during the draw. I mean, that's we anchor differently because we have a release in our hand. So our hand, our knuckles are at a different angle. You know, if we're on a string or if we're on a release, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, the mechanic. So you came to me and we were questioning each other, and I'm finding out, holy mackerel, this guy's had tremendous coaching. He's an elite level compound shooter. All I got to do is get him to do the same stuff. Yeah, pretty much. And, and and that's true. And if I would have done anything different out of any of this, is I would have kept the click. We put a clicker on in sixteen. Yeah. And I took it off pretty quickly after, mostly because I'm a dumb shit. If I was smart and not hard headed and not you know probably listen to other people, I would have kept that clicker on. Um, I still was successful. I still shot pretty good, mm-hmm. but that clicker for me helped relate it more to a compound. If that makes any sense, it like, makes total sense. It got you into that very precise movement during the expansion phase. That precision, invisible movement to the release. And you know why I didn't click it on? You said it earlier. It's harder. Yeah, it wasn't as fun. Yeah, it makes first. you work harder. Yeah, yeah. you got to work harder. But. You know, and I and I and I will say for those people that message me and say, "Hey, my friend said, um, you know, put a clicker on was stupid. It's not traditional." I would say back to your friends, "What problem do you have with actually hitting what you're aiming at?" You know, if okay, so I got an answer for that too. I've seen some early writing, like seventeen, eighteen hundred stuff, where they would use a psycho trigger, and the wording would be something like this: "It'd be pull thy feathered shaft back till it." Makes you know it. What they're doing is using a clicker-like thing. In other words, a psycho trigger. They're pulling the feather to their cheek. Yeah. So, touch thy feather to cheek and loose. Mm-hmm. They were using it. They were using a psycho trigger. Right. Same thing as a clicker. Yeah. Yeah. They were shooting under controlled tension to the 
trigger to the release. Yeah. Same stuff. Look at Howard Hill, best exhibition shooter, longbow shooter of all times. Look at any picture of him, him at full draw. That point is right at the end of the bow. Howard Hill would expand until the broadhead or the the head hit his finger and he'd loose. He'd yeah. Let go. Well, and, and I'm same thing as what a clicker does. I'm not downplaying not using a clicker. If that's your jam, then then do that. I just there's so much shit talking and hatred in the outdoor industry in general. But with the trad stuff, where you know the the um, the clicker or a rangefinder or you know whatever. And there's just I understand where people are coming from with that. But you know, for me, I don't. I judge yardage pretty well, so I don't use the rangefinder. But Jeff Lander, when we were in Alberta, said bring a rangefinder. He said it is the which makes sense shooting in three Ds. The terrain is so confusing yeah. that it is good if you can to just second. You know, even if you're an instinctive shooter, you're not totally instinctive. You're instinctive, but obviously, it's off of your sight picture. Your if you're shooting instinctive, you're it's like throwing a baseball. So I guess you see the trajectory to that object. If you're shooting across a gap, it kind of doesn't matter. And that is the problem is the gap that that you've got the spurs and the draws and then the yes. draws, the deer will be on the you other side. You can't look at the ground to count your yardage off. Right, right, right. And if you if you look at the deer, yeah, you're shooting instinctually, but the thing's probably 50 and you think it's 30 or whatever. Not not necessarily, and I'm probably oversimplifying it. And, and a lot of this is too is because I am a yardage, um, the, knowing the yardage of the 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 animal past a certain distance is important to me. Mm-hmm. Lander is an instinctive shooter. He's a snap shooter. He, I mean, he can't even hold a full draw. He's got to close his eyes. But he brings a rangefinder just because there's times he's walked up and it looked thirty and it was seventy. Yeah. Or he's walked yeah. up and and he thought it was seventy and it was twenty eight or yeah. or sixty. I, I honestly have experienced that as an instinctive aimer too. And he just is like, hey, why not have it just in case? Now, you know, for me, obviously, it is imperative. I try to judge. And if I'm at 40, I'm using my point on, and I'm, that's the way I'm going to use it. Now, hunting elk, I don't range nearly as much. You know, I've got the, I've, I've you know, I'm, I'm more comfortable. But there is times where, I mean, when I was, I was in, in Alberta or eastern Colorado where, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to shoot that cascus instinctively. And I'm 10 feet in front of it. Well, I'm like... Okay, well, you know, one, it's not like in the sight picture, you know, I get used to the size of a deer in the sight picture Mm -hmm. at a certain distance or whatever. Well, then I range it and it's 58 yards and I shot it for (laughs) what probably I thought was probably around 30. And so it's just a confirmation. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with with or without taking a range finder, but I don't know that you should begrudge or make fun of someone that chooses to to use one. Why wouldn't we want to be more accurate? You know, I grew up in this stuff, a guy my age, we'd make fun of guys or look down on them if if we thought they were a gap shooter for crying out loud. Yeah. You know. I'm telling you, not everybody can instinctive aim, and it was all about instinctive archery and all this baloney. Right. And that was the only way to do it. And it's such a bunch of BS. About 80%, 90% of the guys dropped out within a year because they could not hit the broadside of the barn from the inside. And now with, with these techniques we can use to be proficient with a recurve, we've got 80% hanging in the sport and enjoying the heck out of it. Yeah. Well, let's face it. It's not overly animal, t- overly easy tipping over an animal to begin with. Right. Whether, I mean, that's compound, recurve, longbow, or whatever. It's not like it's a oh, he's got a rangefinder. It's a gimme. 
That's what's so cool about this new generation, like my buddies at the Push, I do podcasts with, Mm -hmm. is they explore all the different techniques with a what they call a single string bow or a trad bow. I mean, Matt's got this great protocol for a fixed crawl, Mm -hmm. so he can set his point on range to whatever he's hunting. You know, if he's tree stand hunting, he can set that baby at 15 yards or so. If he's shooting a 3D tournament, it's you know, that's uh, IBO tournament max of about 30, 32 yards. You'll set it at 25 yards. It's a great aiming method. Leads to extreme accuracy. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you use that? Yeah. With a recurve bow. Right. No, it makes sense. Now, I don't, the fixed crawl and uh, string walking stuff for me, it I don't. You don't need it. I, yeah, I don't like it as much. I don't, I don't need either, it. And, but you don't need it. Right, right. Well, and I will say, like Cal uh, Ryan Calhan from from First Light, he used he string walks, mm-hmm. um, and he's killed some stuff. Um, it takes longer for one, yes. And, and again, yes. But I can shoot fairly good instinctive, and and I do use my point on at a certain distance. So my right. system works good for me. But correct, I think that you're right. Everyone's brain's different, and right. there's going to be. Like, I couldn't shoot split finger to save my life. I've tried a few times. I'm sure if I worked out enough, I could. Mm-hmm. But I've you shot shoot over everything. Oh, Lord. It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd really need to work on it. But, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten comfortable with the three under. And that's another thing that I would say as we're seeing many squirrels and chasing rabbits here. Um, I wouldn't choose the way you shoot if you're getting into this because of what I do or what someone else does. And, and for me, I think it's, I mean, I, I definitely want you to interject on this. I think you'll know naturally what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't show me really three under. You kind of explained it to me once. And I don't know if you remember, I just naturally went to that and I came back in the shop and I was shooting three under. And uh, and I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. It just felt more comfortable because of my anchor from anchoring with yeah. a compound. And your sight picture got better. Because I anchored like this with a compound. Yeah. And now I anger like this. Not much difference compared right. to this. Right. Way different. Um, yeah, and the sight picture looking down the arrow. And that just happened naturally. It yeah. was just how I shot. And I think that um, I don't know that, you know, because a lot of guys will go to shooting three under because some people are shooting that way or, or vice versa. Um, I think it's I think a lot of people, as you shoot, it'll just you will know what oh, you yeah. feel more comfortable with. I, when I get a a brand new guy always have him start three under with a high anchor because mm-hmm. he's going to get on the target really quick that way mm-hmm. and that can always be changed later you know if you want a further point on range we can change that anchor right and go to split and then a lot of guys will you know i'll start them off with that way but they'll try split and they like that great shoot it we want to we want to get proficient with these things and there's just a lot of different techniques that have always been none of this is new Right. You know, with the start of the Asbel area and instinctive stuff, it all kind of got narrowed down to you need to shoot like this. Well, not so. Yeah. It that, never was like that before when there was no such thing as a compound bow. It was never like that. String walking and and face walking and and using the arrow to aim with or a dang sight screwed into your recurve was not uncommon. Yeah. Guys did what they needed to do to be proficient with that bow. Yeah. I have to say people – Oh, for in hopes I don't get bashed here. Uh, holy Mary, Mother God, do people get wrapped up on the Asbel thing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is a cult-like following. Um, and uh, 
I never read any of the Asbel theory stuff. I grew up on that stuff. Right. That's how I learned to shoot. I didn't know. You know, I didn't. I don't want to knock that because he's by far the best ambassador for traditional archery there's ever been. As far as shooting advice goes, I strongly disagree. (laughs) Well, and again, and coming from it on a, a guy that only got taught one way, not only taught one way, but basically you taught me one way and mentioned other ways. You know what I mean? On the way of, of learning the art, you said, Hey, this is a different way, but this is what can happen if you shoot this way. And you know, and you explained it all, but I didn't read anything about Asbel, Ashby, you know what? I'm a one master type of guy. You're my coach and I'm not switching. Well, now as time has gone on, I'll read articles from different people, not necessarily just um, Ashby, but other people as well. And, you know, one of the things I I had read where they were talking about, what do they call it? Swing. Swing draw. Swing draw. Mm -hmm. That is probably the most piss poor advice, in my opinion, I had ever read for accuracy. And again, I'm going to get some hate from this. It just doesn't in my brain make sense for consistency. It I mean, doesn't. It, I'll make a comment on that. A swing draw can be very effective at short ranges. That makes total sense. Yeah. It really can. A swing draw is really hard on both shoulders. Mm-hmm. When we draw the bow, we want to be drawing in a slightly downward angle because it helps keep the front shoulder low. Mm-hmm. When you're using a swing draw, you're killing both shoulders because you are driving the bow shoulder up and out of the rotator cuff and you're straining the rotator cuff because all the force is going upward. So you tend to always shoot with a high shoulder and that's a very unstable bow arm to shoot with. Mm -hmm. Second of all, when you're drawing from that low to high position, all the, all the stress is going right to your rotator cuff on the drawing side and you're, you're stressing those soft tissues in your shoulder. Half of what I teach is that why everybody I know that's 50 that started shooting a recurve needs shoulder that's surgery. That's exactly why. Yeah, yes. Makes sense. That's yeah. why a lot of guys my age and older can't even shoot anymore. Oh, yeah. No, Because these mean, were strong guys. These guys are on the tools. These were hardworking men, strong men. And they'd shoot heavy bows back in the day. We all shot 60, 65 pounds or more. Yeah, Lander shot a 70-some pound longbow. Of course, he can't. He, he needs replacements on both shoulders now. But <laughs> Yeah, but you know, these guys are strong. And, and so over the years, that repetitive motion injury takes its toll. Yeah. So part of what I teach in NTS is how to draw the bow to relieve the stress off the shoulders, put it in that big muscle group in your back, which is actually more efficient for shooting well too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and I don't want people, I'm, I'm not trying in any way to disrespect the, you know, the people that built the foundation. Oh, of, me neither. I, I definitely wouldn't want to say no, yeah, any no. negativity towards Fred Asbell and what he's done for this sport. Cause it's tremendous. Oh, for All sure. All I'm saying is for technical shooting, I could love to have a debate with a man and, and, this would be a really nice educational thing and kept it friendly of why this other system is superior. Right. No. And I mean, on, on me, on, I, when I say about me is, is coming from a, a relative greenie and getting into it, there's no way that anyone could talk me into the fact that if I would have went the other direction, that I would be able to shoot grouse at 40 yards consistently. And, I don't, ha- and I have don't. 17 animals under your belt and not, not even two years, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, a hunting season in a quarter. Um, and you think know, of this: you got another year. You know, under that three-year theory. Yeah, you're gonna be getting 
there's going to be a lot of improvement the next year. How scary is that? Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, you know, I believe for, that for for me, I'm just happy. I'm happy shooting again, right? Like I yeah. lost the love fun. for it. And, oh yeah, and I mean, I don't. God, I hate to say this because I am going to get you know because I I kind of poo pooed on it in seventeen because I got discouraged when I shot that whitetail, but. You know, a lot of it's hard work, right? You got to be able to accept the fact you're going to have to work hard and, and everything else. And it's not like I've never wounded shit with a compound, for God's sake. So it's not it's not like I'm oh, I'm golden with a compound. I never did anything wrong. I shoot the same amount of animals with a recurve. I'm going to have to work a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, the satisfaction but, level is way up, right? Oh, yeah. I tell you, this year, I'm more excited about this year than uh several you know any year i can think of before just because i kind of have my shit together so i'm happy about that um i've got some good tags i'm hunting with good people um so i'm pretty excited and i mean the other thing is that the challenge i almost am a better trophy hunter with the recurve because i gotta wait so freaking long anyway <laughs> where with the compound it's like oh hey there's an animal and i would shoot it now yeah. it may be three hours later and and that animal's gone, but four bigger ones have come in. Yeah, because I got to wait longer. Um, you know, and and again, also learning. I like uh, when I get when I do something, I get in, engulfed in it, right? Like like photography. Yeah, you're a jump in with both feet kind of guy for sure. Oh yeah, and so learning all of this is you know, I mean, all the way from fletching, building arrows, shooting strings. Like I'm learning stuff all the time. It's um, fun. Oh yeah, it's it's it it is always fun, and uh, I, I, again, like you said, the rewarding portion of it, man. If you, uh, I mean, I gotta say, uh, shooting a doe is a victory sometimes, right? I mean, it's it's not overly easy tipping over an animal. Now, you know, for me, I got lucky and I shot a big bear. I um I shot a, a turkey. Well, I shot a couple of turkeys. I didn't find one of them, but I shot a turkey, and. You know, we may have an alligator hunt we're going on. Um, you know, there's there's several whitetail, mule deer, and elk hunts. We're going on a goat hunt. And, you know, a lot of that, like, is um, uh, the adventure of it when you have um, a, a little bit more of a primitive weapon and the, and oh, the work yeah. ethic. You know, it, it's rewarding. I mean, it, it is. Big time. So, you know, and I— Thank God I can shoot halfway decent, and, and hopefully I can keep my shit together to do that when an animal's in front of me, but I'm certainly looking forward to it. Oh, you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Down my mind. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting for, for sure. Um, you know, at this point, you know, like with uh, the uh, the questions and everything people ask and everything, I, I, I you know, if I was going to give anybody my own advice is, geez, don't overcomplicate it. Um and certainly don't listen to very many people on the Internet. I hate to say it that way, but, you know, um, there's multiple traditional archery podcasts. Um, the push guys are very technical. And, very and, good. You know, and, very good. And you look at like we work with the TradQuest guys and they're more of a hunter like they're they're more on the 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 the, the hunting aspect. Now, not that they don't talk about. You they know, don't the, geek out quite as much on the equipment, the form, and right, right. They're they're yeah. more into the the actual adventure of the hunt and hunting stories and things Which is like good. that. <laughs> yeah, there's room. I mean, there's room for everything. Um, and then you obviously have what you and Joel are doing for coaching. Um, you know, which is great. Uh, that new Masters of the Bearbow video is. I mean, nothing wrong with the old ones. But it goes along the lines. Have you seen the new one? I have not. It is what you teach. It's great. Nice. That's <laughs> um, good to hear. And that's a good video to get. People ask me all the time about videos. There's YouTube. But make sure you're getting good coaching from good coaches uh, that not only shoot well but have also put some animals on the ground because they are they – are, 
Um, if I say this right, mutually exclusive of each other. Just because you can shoot good doesn't mean you can kill shit. And just because you can kill shit, look at Harold. Harold yeah. kills everything. He's a horrible shot. Um, One hell of a hunter. Oh, Jesus. I mean, that, you don't want that guy hunting you. But, I mean, he's not going to win any 3D tournaments. I mean, maybe he would. I don't know. But He, he obviously puts it together in a moment of truth, though. I ask Harold for advice, not on shooting, because, quite honestly, he's not that great of a shot. But he's got a wall of animals. So what he has to say in the moment of truth, keep both ears mm-hmm. open because mm-hmm. he's got his shit together. Yeah. And But then you ask somebody, and I won't mention any names because they will, Terrell doesn't give a shit. I know many guys that can shoot targets really well that you should not take hunting advice from because they lose it a little bit when there's an animal in front of them, I guess you could say, or they haven't shot enough animals to speak intelligently about that moment of, of truth. Do you feel that's correct? Yeah, mostly about that last thing you said. Now, mostly a good target archer that's good in a competitive environment mm-hmm. will be a pretty good, have pretty good control with an animal too. Because pressure is pressure, so to speak. I think mm-hmm. an animal's way more pressure. Yeah. But a good target archer has to learn to control his business under pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys that win or at the top of the... Right, right. Most of them transfer into really good animal right. killers too. Right, right, right. And I think... Um, clarify what i say um meaning just flinging arrows in the backyard like if you've got a guy that maybe shoots really well at the local range but hasn't had that pressure of right a lot of people watching or whatever those are the kind of people i'm talking about because there's no doubt you don't meet very many levi morgan compound guy tim gillingham uh, and multiple others as far as on the compound world i can't really list too many on the trad sex i don't know them they're good at both, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and because of, like you said, being under pressure is being under pressure. Um, but if you get a guy that's pretty good at winging arrows at the local range but isn't overly, you know, doesn't have a lot of animals under his belt, you probably can teach you some stuff about shooting. But, you know, there's there's something to be said about that moment of truth, yeah. how to control it, what's going on your in, on in your mind and, and things like that that, you know, is, is also very good to know and, and have mm-hmm. somebody with experience. Here again, what where Joel lives too. Yeah, because his seminars are combined both managing target panic and shooting under pressure. Right, right. But you know, like we do, we integrate it all together right. all the time. It's a good combo. I mean, with it's what the you ultimate guys combo. do. Yeah, no, yeah. It is. When we do a clinic together. I I think it's the best full service, so to speak. Yeah, you know, everything combined clinic you can you can have. I. I Enjoy the heck out of them. What do you guys charge for those clinics? Usually, it's a, a, a you know two hundred a day type of thing. Gotcha. Which and you, we'll limit to to about twelve guys. Yeah, you need to charge more. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've been giving Tom yeah. a shit about charging people because <laughs> you know if you want to bench press five hundred pounds, if you want to, I don't know shit about golf, but have a high golf score, it's it you're not going to find very many people that are capable and have been there. And so that is a premium price for a premium product. So guys, if Tom ends up charging more, blame me because I've been pestering <laughs> the hell out of him to charge more. Because I would pay it, if you charge me tomorrow, I wouldn't be mad. Because when I need help, what the fuck am I gonna go to? I don't have anybody to turn to really. You know what I mean? Like there's just not that many people that can help. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of guys teaching this stuff. There needs to be a lot more. Right, right. And uh, and I want to help with that. I want to start certifying instructors now. I got this level four and get more guys that are that know their business and are hunters teaching guys. I mean, mm-hmm. you can go to a, a FIDA coach, but what's he going to know about shooting an arrow off the shelf or shooting that bow 
parallel to the ground or shooting yeah. an animal. Tuning broadheads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, what, and, 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 yeah. 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 No, I mean, believe me, I, I, I strongly suggest um, it's worth the money. And it's not really if you, if you, if you look at what you're spending your money on, there's probably some, some cutting down on pizza, potentially beer and who knows whatever else, where maybe you could save a little because it, it will catapult you so far ahead in your shooting to go to these classes that believe me, it'll be well worth the money spent. And, uh, if you, if you need to, um, you know, get a hold of these guys, Tom, where can they find you? Uh, well, through the RMS gear website, you know, rmsgear.com. Uh, I think Tommy's email address is, well, you can sign up for any, uh, emails that we post through through our website at rmsgear.com and then you'll get the emails announcing any clinics that we'll we'll be doing if you need to get a hold of me directly have a question tom Klum at rmsgear.com and then what's your instagram page instagram if you want to overload that with people tom Klum senior and i think there's an underscore there but i'm not sure but you'll probably be able to find it off my name i'll look right now and then with joel it's uh shot iq shot, shot iq yeah what um and, what do you, what and do you, I got to mention the push guys. That push podcast is a good with Trad Quest and the push, really good Trad podcast too for information. You know we ought to do what we do with the push guys. We'll do a question and answer. Oh yeah, gather for some sure. of these these technical questions up and. Oh, oh, definitely. And, 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 uh, Frank and I have um uh, done that on gear stuff, but I think maybe um so it's Tom underscore Clum underscore SR or senior. Um, is do maybe a live uh, Q&A as well. Um, sure. You know, having people call in or text in, everybody on the planet has my phone number, it seems like anyway, but maybe we'll set something up that up in the future. One of the things I wanted to do is get, um, well, Danny wouldn't say shit if he had a mouthful of it, so hard, getting him to talk in public is a little bit different, but having like you, me, uh, maybe Joel, um, maybe Harold as a panel mm-hmm. to answer questions, because you really get... I think it's important, like, I'm not saying I belong on that panel because of my experience, but coming out from a new guy, right, like getting into it, but answering questions. And, you know, Harold is not a good guy to talk about gear. He shot the same bow for 25 years. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But you talk to somebody like Joel or you or even Tommy. What's Tommy has more bows and underwear. How many bows does Tommy have? Oh, I have no idea. 40, 50, 60, somewhere in there. Yeah. Right. And then obviously the tuning aspect, you know, the, the, what I learned from you guys is, I mean, I, I mean, it's worth its weight in gold as far as center cut, pass center, what bows take, like a, a, a widow takes a stiff arrow, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and if you don't know that and you read the chart, well, you're screwed, right? That chart lies. Yeah, there's no charts <laughs> that can, can do a trad bow. Right, right, exactly. And, uh, you know, the strings, the skinny strings, which I do not like, different material, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, as far as that goes. And then obviously, too, um, the psycho triggers. Do you need a clicker or can you put like a touch? Like, you know, you can have like a, a mm-hmm. touch on your face. All of that stuff. And then, you know, you go to a guy, obviously, that's more towards you and Joel and maybe a little bit of me. But then you go to a guy like Harold. He just goes and just kills shit, right? He doesn't have a clicker. There's no touch. I mean, I gave Harold three dozen arrows the other day. They just magically flew good, he said. I'm thinking, I wonder if you're just that good of a killer and they just fly half-ass and you're just (laughs) that lethal. Um, You know, but it, it would be a good panel to... You know, to have and maybe set that up over at Rocky Mountain and get everybody in at one time and, and get some people in for questions and as well as maybe 
emailing or or answering on Facebook at that yeah. time. Yeah, that'd be neat. As Joel used to tell me, he said, there is a guy, there's something that separates gamers like Harold, like you, from the guys that might be good shots but don't do well in game. And he said, ask, ask those guys a question. I think you'll remember me asking you this. So I did this with Nathan Anderson, who, if you see him on a range, is not the perfect example of shooting for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm a tactful guy. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but Nathan's killed everything in North America, right? Yeah. And I said, hey, Nate, I said, uh, what are you thinking when you're out here on the range when you're shooting? He's like, what do you mean? I go, while you're shooting, while you're aiming, releasing, what, running your shot, what are you thinking? Thought about for season. I don't know. Just shooting. Yeah. So okay. Second question: What are you thinking when you're shooting at an animal? What do you mean? I said, What are you actually thinking when you're shooting at an animal? He thinks about. It. I said, Oh, well, if I'm shooting at an animal, I always make sure I draw and I touch this one knuckle to my eye. To, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, he had exactly his shot sequence that he he's very cognitive when shooting at an animal. Yeah. Slows everything down and does it the same way. Yeah. That's a gamer. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. No, it, it does. And I, you told me, you, you know, what you're driving your tension with, which is a crack up. Oh, you know, and and where that, but if you sound it, arrogant, right? But what in my mind, when we see a deer bedded at a thousand yards, I'm already talking to that deer like you're going down today. Now it doesn't always pan out, right? But right. it's the same thing when I've closed that distance from a thousand to five hundred. It no doubt in my mind is, am I not going to kill that animal? Now again. I fuck up all the time, right? I, I'm not saying it pans out that way, but right. having that confidence and when I'm in that that the red zone and when that animal comes in, Joel asked me the one time he's like, and this sounds horrible, right? But whatever, what are you thinking? And I he, do you have a mantra? And I say, I don't know. I, I'm thinking die, mother F or die. Like I have this kind of, like when you give CPR, right? Yeah. Staying alive. So, okay. Yeah. Well, it's rhythmic for me, okay, right. and, it, and, it, right. and, it, and it helps me, I don't know if it helps me calm down, but it helps me do what I'm supposed to do, it, probably why I can remember everything that happens. Concentrations I, through words. Yeah, oh, yeah. And that's why you do remember. You're cognitive. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and people have asked me, do you black out? I'm like, I can tell you exactly what happened. I can tell you I farted for three seconds before it came. I can tell you exactly what happened. Yeah. And, and you can tell like on that bear didn't happen, right? There was a lot right. of moving parts with that bear. Well, the thing coming at you, it's not really I mean, time I, to... I can tell you what happened. Can I tell you, like, Lander was like, did you hit the clicker? I'm like, no, I didn't hit the clicker. <laughs> I said, on the third shot, I hit the clicker because after the first two spaz outs where I was just trying to get an arrow in it, it ran out broadside and I- It ran I, a shot. Oh, yeah. And nice. I, I, I waylaid it. Nice. But the first two and uh, were bad. The second- the, the third and fourth arrow were good, and the fifth arrow was not good. <laughs> and I think what at that point was, okay, I've hit it a couple times. It's still moving around, and I basically just got an arrow off at it with half-ass form, half-ass everything, and, and I didn't hit it. And so it's funny when people, you know, well, what was going through your mind? And I was like, well, the first two, what was going through my mind was back up. You know, the third was, <laughs> oh, now you're going to die. The fourth was the same thing. And the fifth was get out of here and get another arrow in it. Mm-hmm. You can tell by where the arrows hit what was going on in my mind because mm-hmm. the third and fourth were golden. And think of all the guys that are shooting at a stationary deer and elk and they're shooting at like those three shots that you described mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and that's and the it, difference between a gamer 
and guys don't have so much success. Well, and it's funny because you, you think about it as, I mean, whatever, like the third shot, which was actually the fourth, because the, the, the first shot I took was in a, in the field and he was, he was wheeling out right when I shot and I, and I actually performed a good shot there, but I was cog, I was telling myself, pull yourself together, dumb shit. What are you doing? Like I was mm-hmm. mentally telling Aaron, get to full dry. What are you doing? Like in my mind. Yeah, you were totally cognitive. Oh yeah, and I was like, you weren't on Lord's automatic matter? mode anymore. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where well, the first, you know, the, those two were, and and it, and it, the results show I made two very good shots, the third and fourth arrow, where I finally was like, and then once I hit it, it was almost like I broke down to like, okay, I got a couple in it, just get another one off for the greater good, right? <laughs> Not the smartest moment, but um, I was yeah. talking to a Denver cop, retired guy, he said. The best shooter on their on their force at the time was with a handgun, just ten rings every time. Got in a gunfight. Yeah, and both him and the bad guy. So they get in this gunfight and they're ten feet apart, and both empty their guns and nobody touches anything. <laughs> <laughs> so one controlled trigger press by either of them would have ended that. Yeah, you know, but. What we're after under pressure with a bow, compound, recurve, whatever, is a control trigger press. Right. <laughs> Cognitive movement to release that arrow. That's what Joel teaches. Yeah. And so, he, you know, as a firearms instructor, you know, for the police department, you know, at the police academy for Washington State. So he's teaching these guys yeah. how to run a control trigger press under pressure. Yeah. Well, and you think about um, – with a compound, which can be more confusing. And like Lander picked up a compound to see if he could shoot it and he was canting it. He was so screwed up. It wasn't even funny. But with a, a compound, especially if you initially start shooting a compound and you're converting, you have draw stops, which is huge. You have a peep site um, that you uh, marry up to a scope housing. So you have a lot of catching features, yeah. um, which can help. Now you can get confused with your pins and you can still forget to lose, forget to look through your peep site. You know, where with, uh, depending upon how your brain works, the traditional bow, well, look at Hoffman. He's better with a trad bow than he is a compound, uh, Hoff, yeah. Dave Hoff. Yeah. Um, but I think try, <laughs> it's almost impossible to, mimic that and again to bring up why Joel is flicking your ear and stuff or whatever he does is when you have an increased heart rate and an adrenaline level for one you never act correctly when your adrenaline is spiking when an animal comes in right you know you I see people I've seen guys on bear charges reload their gun three times with live rounds okay so I mean that's adrenaline right you're not yeah. thinking correctly yeah um okay and then you you obviously that adrenaline, increased heart rate, the the you know just caught in the moment, keeping that together is hard to mimic. And the more you do it, the better you're going to be at. It. Absolutely. You know, so I always say trigger time. I don't care if it's shooting squirrels or prairie dogs. Yeah. It isn't hurting, right? It's going to help. Absolutely. Um, you know, and then uh, uh, you know, anytime you can shoot in a tournament under pressure, and you'll see guys just shoot worse when they go into a league. From a small amount of pressure, you know, you get used to that and you're kind of bridging mm-hmm. it up. And that's the biggest thing I hate to say, bridging it up. That's kind of what it is. You, you're bridging up your your ability to, to stay under control. Um, yeah. You've got I, to put yourself in those positions and fail and learn to succeed and then seek out the next more pressure situation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. And I mean, that is one reason why I'm shooting the stick bow is I got to a point, and, and again, maybe if I was a better trophy hunter, it would have been different with a compound, but I'm not. I got to where a point is 
wasn't a lot of adrenaline. That there wasn't a lot of, you know, and and not only that, I just wasn't that overly excited about shooting the bow anymore. But now the thrill was gone. It's back. I mean, that's you know, <laughs> and, and, and it, there's so much that can go wrong. You have to get closer. You do have to, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to shoot. And yeah, you, that adrenaline revel, it, it's back for me. And trying to master that, you know that. Like this year, the the best thing that's going to happen to me is if I get some massive 180 inch typical four by four. How I handle that, you know what I mean? Is there a difference between that and a 150 inch deer? And and again, after the nine mile hike, in maybe some adrenaline will have wore off. But uh, I'm looking forward to that first uh, high country mule deer backpack hunt. Um, you know, because I I have shot uh, a few mule deer or a couple of mule deer with the the stick bow, but I haven't done a high country crazy hike in backpack hunt with it. So I'm really looking forward nice. to that one. You're gonna appreciate carrying that thing com- compared to your compound. I'll tell I you appreciate that. carrying that thing every day. Um, <laughs> I am, I think, gonna hike early and dump off some arrows for um, the weather aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I do worry about that. That is shooting feathers. So mm-hmm. um, the one thing I learned is drying them out and then uh, boiling water and the steam popping them back out. Yeah. Let, um, let us flesh some up for you with, you know, wild turkey feathers too. Yeah. Those I, big oil lines. Yeah. No, that'll be good. And I sprayed some um, Scotch Guard. It helps a little, but it doesn't last a whole, like a long time. Um, you know, and I want to be able to, um, uh, you know, I'll probably have an extra six, eight arrows back in there just to rotate them out because it does rain quite a bit where we're where we're going. So, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. What are you hunting this year? I have got nothing special going. And so I'll be over the counter for elk and so real shortly here, I'm going to be getting on the wearing out some boot weather, weather and trying to find some <laughs> new spots that aren't hammered by other guys. Yeah, no kidding. I was going to actually got to mention one to you, whatever, talk about offline. But either way, we're working on about an hour and 40 minutes, 50 minutes. So we should probably hop off here and go back to work. But, uh, man, I appreciate you coming in and everything that you've done for me. I, I could not, I would not be nearly anywhere close to where I am without you guys and oh, your man. coaching. I appreciate it. That humbles me. I always love talking to you, whether it's doing this or when we get to shoot together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, are you shooting tonight? Yeah. Well, there you go. Maybe we Bingo, shoot tonight. baby. Yeah, it's it's league night. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming in, man. I appreciate Pleasure. it. Pleasure.